Good evening and welcome back to another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio and powered by our favorite sponsor, TireGit.com. That's TireGit.com. You have to buy tires from somebody. You might as well buy them from us and help fund the movement, help support the movement. We believe in the freedom of movement, and that's exactly what the establishment wants to take from you now. I am your host, Royce White, here from the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Episode 119, episode 119. Tomorrow, tomorrow evening, I should say, we will have episode 120, another incredible family and friends guest episode with the great Dan Schultz and Professor Penn to talk about the Republican Party, Republican politics, uh, the conservative movement, the House speakership, which was pre recorded before we elected uh, or new speaker was elected. Mike Johnson, Speaker Mike Johnson, was elected over the last couple of uh, days. So we had a, a great podcast for you tomorrow night as well with the, with the great Dan Schultz. Um, I really enjoyed it. Probably one of the best flowing conversations we've had so far. And I'm excited that 100 episodes in, I'm really catching a, finding a groove when it comes to the flow of conversations with guests. We want to have more guests. We're going to start to invite more guests and bring more people uh, to give you, uh, you know, solid, wise perspectives on where we are as a country, politically, culturally, socially, economically, so on and so forth. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping, freepeopleradio.com is up and, and running, and you can go there to find out where you can watch and listen to the podcast, as well as social media. Um, our store is live. It was supposed to go up at midnight a couple of days ago or after Monday's uh, episode on Monday night. Uh, we had a one minor tweak I wanted to make to the design. So you'll get your Godspeed hats there. You'll get your Godspeed shirts, uh, hoodies, uh, free people radio merchandise. I think we got some cool uh, coffee mugs and uh, a couple other things on there, refrigerator magnets, really, really fun stuff. You know, whatever, whatever you want. We want to give people a bunch of items uh, so that, you you know, you, you can you can have fun with uh, supporting the podcast by by purchasing, purchasing some stuff from the store. Um if you have any recommendations about what kind of merchandise you would like to see on the store, please leave it in the comments. We love that. Uh, as well as spit on the floor t-shirts are on the way. We want that design to be special because that's, you know, that's kind of my baby. So uh, by, by popular demand and request, the spit on the floor t-shirts are sure to be a, a much sought after item in the store. So we want to make sure that they were good and they were something that were going to last or that was going to last and, and people can uh, enjoy um, so the spit on the floor t-shirts are on their way. Don't die a jerk off t-shirts merchandise is on the way and you'll be able to see what the store has to offer. Um, hopefully either tonight by midnight or tomorrow night. Um, the patron platform is up right now. If you want to go, we have a Patreon account. We just have basic tiers for right now on Patreon and locals for people to be able to donate to the podcast and, and help support the movement. So if you get a chance, uh, just go to freepeopleradio.com, click donate. The donate tab and, and you'll see our patron platforms there you can proceed to one of those whichever one you choose and and get involved with the podcast that way i don't think subscribe star is up and running yet i got to make a call to them uh later on this 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 evening or, or tomorrow morning during business hours and get them to uh to help us set up our, our patron platform with with their service as well and the whole thing here the whole project here is that we wanted to build free people radio slow we wanted to build this podcast slow where we weren't interested in trying to uh, go viral or have clips that are necessarily explosive just to generate traffic based on people or, or, or uh, you know, uh, viewers, and listeners. 
that are that are looking for some type of content that that satisfies some surface level superficial uh, political uh, prejudgment or ideas. We we're not interested in that. We want to build the platform slow. We want people to understand what it is they're trying to get and, and have those people who, who understand the value of the conversation to then be forced multipliers to get us more people who they think as recruiters would appreciate this kind of conversation. And as we grow slowly, hopefully when we get older, when, when we grow up in the world, we'll have a cohort of a, a, a very um, – a nice size audience, but an audience that actually understands what we're trying to do and can be, um, can be, uh, I don't want to say useful because we're not using people, but, but can be effective in, in, in their action and how they apply whatever conversations we have or whatever conversations take place on the podcast or within the free people radio, uh, company and program, and then take that into their daily life and, and become empowered citizens. Our thing here is about citizenship. It's about self-governance, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that today, but, but that certainly is uh, the, the focus of Free People Radio. So go to freepeopleradio.com, become familiar. We have a few podcast titles, a, new, a, a few new podcast titles that are on the way, Hebrews with myself and Professor Penn. The plan is to air that on Saturday mornings. It'll be a once-a-week podcast with myself and Professor Penn. It has its own branding. It has its own YouTube channel. It'll have its own um, you know, an entire digital footprint other than, uh, it will still have the, the, the home site, home website of freepeopleradio.com. And all of these titles that we start to un- unroll or, or start to release will be under the, the, the website, uh, freepeopleradio.com, but you'll be able to find them on their individual social media channels, as well as free people radios, social media channel, which we plan to start to populate with with news or, or clips more in a more general sense, not just related to podcasting or what I say, um, but but things that we think are interesting or, or things that we think people need to hear and, and do our own sort of digital content through Free, Free People Radio's social media channels. Each podcast will have its own social media. Free People Radio will have its social media, but everything will come, come to uh, the home site of freepeopleradio.com. Because ultimately, if you want to support all the people here at Free People Radio have, have agreed to allow uh, the, the fan audience support to generate through Free People Radio uh, as a company. And so we can reinvest all the money in the company until we get up to a point where, where the plane is at cruising altitude and, and, we, can, and we can pop on the autopilot and, and, and kind of reevaluate where we want to go next with the business. So we appreciate your continued viewership. We, can, we appreciate your listenership. We appreciate all our returning subscribers. If you're here for the first time, I hate to bore you for eight, nine minutes with, with the mundane housekeeping, but we want to make sure that all our return subscribers understand we're trying to build something that's going to be around for a long time. I'm 32. God willing, I'm able to live a fair amount of years into the future. I want this to be something that hopefully one day I can bring up Little Royce and my son Benjamin or even my two girls. And, and if they have a, 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 a political worldview that they want to share, hopefully you'll get uh, the, you know, my children to have their podcast. We, we constantly have to create institutions. We constantly have to create places now, you know, maybe more important than ever. And even if we win, to sustain that, that, that victory, to, to keep our country in a healthy place, we have to have people who, who – contribute to the conversation, a level of logic and reason, and, and just a general good-spirited um, uh, perspective on the things taking place in our country. 
That's what the media was supposed to be. It's supposed to be the fourth branch of government, the watchful eye. And, and we've let that go. Uh, and it's become a, a, a sort of crony capitalist, money-driven, greed-driven, uh, you know, have to sell, sell out to, to survive sort of, sort of monopoly. Uh, and the only way we can do that is if individuals like myself, but all everybody else in alternative media understand the, the dire importance of media itself and, and what it represents uh, for the American people to, to maintain and protect the value of their citizenship. With all that said, I want to get into the topic today. And the topic today is, is Dear Jason Whitlock. I want to begin with, with my good friend Jason Whitlock. And before I do, I want to say thank you to the War Room Posse and everybody at the War Room who, who continues to, to uh, change the, the dynamic of the conversation in the American political culture for the best. Um, everybody who makes the War Room machine go, Grace Chong, Maureen Bannon, uh, the, the great uh, Steve Bannon, Everybody there, at Real America's Voice, that 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 uses uh, or or helps with with um, with War Room and you, the War Room Posse, you know the the most politically active, the most po uh, effective political audience in the entire country and maybe in the entire world. We appreciate your support. We 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 love you. We we hear you. We we appreciate your feedback. Uh, thank you, everybody uh, over at the War Room for for allowing us to stream the podcast on War Rooms. Get her page every episode and their rumble as well. I know the rumble numbers are doing really well. Um, over 60, 70,000 views every night, 80,000. Last week we had one that did 100 plus thousand. Uh, so we appreciate, we appreciate that uh, wholeheartedly. Thank you to Alex Jones. I was just on Alex Jones earlier tonight. If you didn't get a chance to, to catch that, please go catch that. I was the guest host for the, for the, uh, the, the two to three, the two to three p.m. Central slot um, and free Owen Schroyer, you know, in, in respect to the, 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 the whole InfoWars team, the InfoWars family. You can catch the podcast, my podcast, Please Call Me Crazy on band.video. Free Owen Schroyer. We know they won't free him. We know that he's going to have to do his 120 days or whatever it is, but, but for them to put him in solitary confinement is a sign of the times to come, and we all better get ready, and we all better get serious about winning, and we all better get ready and serious about what it will take to win, what sacrifices we will have to make in order to win, and if we don't make them, if we fail to, 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 to make those sacrifices, the situation Owen Schroyer is in right now will be the situation that many face into the future. So thank you to the entire InfoWars uh, family, the entire InfoWars team, Alex Jones himself for being a, a great leader, uh, a great spiritual and political leader, a, a truth teller for, for many decades now. Uh, I appreciate his, his insight and his wisdom and his willingness to sacrifice himself to, um, to help elevate the conversation and, and to help people get the information they need to fight back against corruption. And last but not least, my dear friend Jason Whitlock and the entire Fearless Army. I have nothing but love for the entire Fearless family, the entire Fearless crew. Jason Whitlock was one of the first people who really gave me a platform or let me uh, come on his platform to, to talk to a, a national audience. And, and Jason does have a national audience. Jason is a, a mainstream media figure. He came from the mainstream, but the podcast that he's now built into independently, which is incredibly successful in my opinion, over 400,000 subscribers on YouTube, probably millions of downloads a week. Um, he has now reached a level within independent media where he himself is, is somewhat mainstream. 
Um, and he he gave me an audio, he gave me a, a platform, and, and I'm thankful that he did. And I think many from the fearless audience are, are thankful that he and I have been able to to uh, share his his platform. We've had some incredible conversations, and and we just had one on Tuesday night. Got a little hot, got a little contentious, got a little heated, and I want to talk about that a little bit today. Um, but I want to say thank you to Jason Whitlock and the entire fearless team, uh, Shamika, TJ. Uh, uh, Steve Kim, Delano. I see they got Brett Favre and Warren Sapp over there doing football now and, and, and more sports, which is really cool. I'm a 90s kid myself. Brett Favre is, uh, is, is respected at the very least, but loved by min many Minnesota Vikings fans. Spent some of his final years here in Minnesota. That was a pleasure to watch him play. He was an athlete that played with a lot of heart. And um, there's, there's a lot of American spirit in, in an athlete like Brett Favre. You can he, he's somebody that young people should look to to um, model themselves after athletically, but but in life as as well. And sure, he's made some mistakes, but we all make some mistakes. And um, when your leadership is corrupt, the chances of you uh, getting getting you know pulled in or roped into mistakes is is greater. Um, so you know, judge not lest you be judged. And that goes for everybody, not just Brett because he's doing television over there with Jason, but it goes for everybody. And and I don't preclude miracles. I don't preclude anybody you hear me criticize or judge, no matter how harsh it is, I don't preclude the, the, the chance that they could return back into the grace and mercy of God and that they can change their ways. That's a part of being Christian. It's a fundamental cornerstone of being Christian. If you do not believe that, you do not understand what the Christian faith tradition is really all about. It's about God's love and about God's grace, but it's also about the imperfection that humanity carries since the original sin and the journey that many of us walk to be able to get back into grace and into charity throughout our life. Um, so some of our path uh, to that grace and charity, uh, uh, that love of God uh, goes through turmoil, mistakes, hardship. Um, so uh, like, I like Brett Favre and I, and I like the fearless team. And finally, the great Jason Whitlock. I don't think there's a better writer I don't think there's a better writer in, in America, to be honest. Uh, and, and writing isn't about how well you write and you know, your, your sentence structure or, or, you know, the words you use. How, you know, writing is the ability to, to convey ideas uh, to, to a broad cultural uh, demographic, a, a broad demographic in a way that's both fun, engaging, enjoyable, and informational. And, and you know, the, the most, the broadest things possible. And so Jason's an incredible writer, and, and he's just as good of a, of a political commentator or a cultural commentator and, and uh, broadcaster as well. Uh, so my heart is, is, is always with Jason Whitlock, and I love him to death, and, and I, I consider him a friend and even family. Um, but today, my episode, I'm sorry to be 15 minutes in here. I see that we're about 15 minutes in, but, you know, um, a lot of things going on in the world, but, but I wanted to take this Thursday episode to address uh, a little bit of little bit of uh, tension in the in the camp, and some of it's between me and Jason, and I and I know Jason can handle this, and, and he'll probably see some of this, but I do it all in love and respect, and I, I think it's important for us to be able to openly criticize each other when it's with love and respect, and, and when it's constructive, um, you know, out there out there in the public, and and I struggle with this. The reason I didn't do an episode last night is because this this little conversation Jason and I had. Um, took place yesterday, and I just gave myself the full day to think about what I wanted to say and, and try and 
bring my energy to a place that was uh, appropriate, right? We're living in times where we may be going to world war and, and people are saying, if person A does this, then we will respond with B. And, and a lot of those responses are, are very intemperate and, and, and somewhat uh, psychotic and nuclear weapons is, is what I'm talking about. And Israel's, uh, you know, is, Israel is guilty of that. I mean, it's very, it's very, it's a very dangerous mentality to say, if somebody does this to us, then we're going to go all out and drop nuclear bombs. And to see people promote that or advocate that or, or um, encourage that uh, is, is scary. And it's not unlike what we heard from the West's uh, military and, and uh, security state officials when we first crossed swords with Russia in this most recent conflict there. Uh, that if Russia did, you know, A, B, or C, uh, messed with our electrical grid, that was that was the, the 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 conversation at the time. If Russia did anything to interfere with America's electrical grid, we would respond with tactical nukes and so on and so forth. And and that conversation has kind of died down. And in in my opinion, I think there between Israel and and its and its enemies or or the people that it's in conflict with in the Middle East. Uh, the, the the cooler heads may prevail in the end. We'll see. I mean, always that area could be the, you know, the, the springboard for a full-blown World War conflict because everybody's interests are tied up in the area, uh, not by coincidence or accident. Um, so it, it could always escalate. And and I don't think that the tension and conflict there will ever, will, will ever really be done until something profound happens, probably through profound leadership potentially Christ, but I'm not, I'm not precluding that, that, uh, human beings that, that human beings can find a way to create some type of, uh, some type of, um, sustainable peace there in that region, even if, if for a temporary time, um, through prayer and faith, right? God willing, inshallah, as all of our Muslim brothers and sisters would say, um, we, uh, we could find peace again. But I think, it's important for us to talk openly when we have constructive criticism uh, about, about people, even within our own camp, because if we don't, uh, we become an echo chamber. And if there's one indictment of the left, if there's one indictment of the mainstream liberal uh, media industrial complex, the liberal mainstream media industrial complex, the, the prevailing mainstream media uh, establishment, if there's one uh, criticism about them or, or the, maybe the, the most accurate criticism about them is that it's become an echo chamber. No matter how loosely it's an echo chamber, yeah, you may find varying opinions between the New York Times and the Washington Post, but, but the general consensus, the, the general or fundamental ideology of those publications are founded in the same ideological principles. Uh, and, and it's the post-World War II democratic liberal order. It's the idea of globalism. It's the idea that, that globalization is a net positive. It's the idea that American, citizen do, uh, American citizenship does not exist and should be uh, relinquished, renounced, and given up for a much broader and much more uh, uh, effective and fruitful global citizenship. This is one of the biggest lies in human history, and it has huge ramifications and consequences. But it's able to exist uh, as, a, as an institutional ideology that then reflects 
a, a common everyday citizens sort of grassroots ideology because they have the power of an echo chamber. They have the the mass of influence and institutional control, the levers of power, but they also have um, that 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 echo chamber, and where they find the echo chamber to be effective, where they find this sort of wash, rinse, repeat model to be effective in brainwashing people. We as Christians, we as righteous American citizens, patriotic, uh, God-fearing American citizens, have to have the counter courage, not do as they do, not do as our enemies do, not try and replicate what's, what's made them successful. Somewhat. I mean, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. I'm sitting here in a podcast with a microphone and a camera, and I'm uploading to the same platforms in many respects, and a few alternative platforms as well, but I'm uploading to the same platforms, um, you know, as the same volume decibels. So there are things that we are doing that are similar, but but the the spirit of what we're doing should not be the same. We cannot submit, we cannot concede to the spirit of Satan or the spirit of evil or wickedness or even falsehood, things that aren't true in, in the pursuit of business or even success, politically, economically, socially, culturally, whatever you, whatever you, you know, whatever you want to say. We cannot concede any ground to, to adopt the spirit of our enemies. And, and part of that spirit, even in the conservative movement, is, is this sort of wash, rinse, repeat. And, and look, I get it. There are things that we need to continue to talk about in order to have people understand it, partly because new people are coming into the room, the, the audience of, of whatever would-be platform, every single day. And as they come in, they may not have heard the essential information. So it's always good to keep a, a, a thread, a common thread with the, with the heart of the message in it as we go forward and discuss new things. But we have to check our motive. We have to check our intent. We have to check our, our spirit about it. And then if we don't, what happened to conservative media will happen to the alternative and independent brands of conservative media, which will be they lack the, the sort of converse, the conversational integrity to really move the needle. And, you know, that's that's what happened to Fox News. That That's what happened to Fox News. I mean, uh, that's, you know, we can just come right out and say it. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I'm going to get to Jason Whitlock in a moment and, and just, you know, this this sort of dear Jason Whitlock monologue. Uh, I'll use one of Jason's terms, one of this dear Jason Whitlock monologue I want to start the podcast off with. Um, and, and we got some time today, so we're going to go a little bit because I know this will this will take a, a, a little bit of time because I'm very passionate about it and uh, and I, and I want to take my time with it. But, but I want to kind of graze through uh, this, this, this idea or this, this um, example of what happened to conservative media, what happened to the conservative movement, how the rhino establishment was able to co-opt and take the conservative movement uh, and, and, and misrepresent through its elected officials, through the, the puppet candidates that got propped up by the, the managerial donor class that were completely detached from the working class, or as Hillary Clinton said, the deplorables, you out there, MAGA, uh, or the America Firsters, or any American citizen that, that generally doesn't like the way the establishment is doing things on a fundamental basis. Um, I was watching, I went back and I rewatched the Monk debate between the, the great Steve Bannon and, and the uh, neocon, rhino, never-Trumper uh, David Frum 
from there in Canada. And if you haven't already, I'm going to run this debate uh, one day next week. So, you, you, you know, you have a chance to see it. Um, but the, the debate was so interesting. And, and the most interesting thing in the debate was a subtle comment that was made. I think many who watched it maybe, maybe uh, you know, might not have keyed in on, on how, how wild of a, of a thing it was for David Frum to say. And he said, you know, with conservatism in America, and mind you now, they're having a debate in Toronto. It's a monk debate. Um, so he's, he's kind of explaining American political culture in the context of a room of people who don't necessarily or aren't necessarily familiar with, with the whole history of, of conservative and liberal politics. And he comes right out and he says, conservatism, conservatism was, was, was us trying to conserve what is liberal. <laughs> and I've said many times, I think on Jason Fearless with Jason Whitlock and, and um, you know, certainly Alex Jones and then Steve Bannon and I developed a great relationship because we feel somewhat similar about this, about this issue. Um, but, but many would make the argument evidenced in how we have developed such a powerful uniparty. Many would make the argument that conservatism uh, and liberalism are two different forms of, of liberalism. Um, and people have made that claim. Uh, people all around the world have made that claim. Alexander Dugan wrote an, an incredible uh, you know, philosophical work, uh, Fourth Political Theory, uh, that, that has informed much of Russia's foreign policy, in my opinion. If you look at the choices and, and things that Vladimir Putin say or do, you can certainly see an influence there from, from Alex, Alexander Dugan, who's one of their you know, spiritual political thought leaders. He's, he's equivalent to what a Steve Bannon or, or whoever that would be in, in our country, a uh, person who's very, very intellectually sound uh, about the history and, and, and an original thinker about the future and the, the general lay of the land uh, that, that the higher-ups listen to. And Steve Bannon's certainly one of those people for the better. How it shakes out in Russia, don't really know, don't really care. I'm not a Russian. The Russian people have to decide who they listen to for themselves, and, and so does the Russian leadership. Um, but anyway, that's the can't claim that he made, and there's a lot of truth in that, that, that conservatism, the way it unfolded um, after the Barry Goldwater inception, many would look at that as an inception point of, of, of conservatism, um, it became uh, just another form of liberalism. And David Frum comes right out and says that. You know, he says, we were just trying to conserve what is good about being liberal. What is liberal? And he used all these platitudes to justify it. But really what, what I wanted to, to, to discuss is that we are suffering in this country from a true rhino neocon infiltration. We are suffering from rhinos, Republicans, conservatives, uh, who considered themselves or, or described themselves as as conservative as Republicans, but are in fact liberals and and Democrats. And I don't mean John. I don't mean Kennedy Democrats. I don't mean RFK Democrats. I mean these people are full blown globalists, and that's the important distinction to be able to make in our political landscape. You got you got nationalists, and you have globalists. Okay, you have. You have Democrats and Republicans, but within that two-party dichotomy, you have a big cohort in the middle that are all globalists. They're all uniparty, and they all come together under that, 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 political, that foundational political worldview to reach across the aisle. And we have been tricked. We have been 
We have been hoodwinked. We have been bamboozled. We have been misled and manipulated into thinking that when certain moderate, they call it, uh, uh, candidates or, or political leaders, uh, political figures, political thought leaders, whoever it is, when they can come together and reach across the aisle, by default, it's a net positive. By default, it helps the American people because it helps to, to, to make the transaction of the American people. It helps get the business done of the American people. And that's what the Uniparty said most recently with this House speakership. Now, uh, we, 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 get, we ended up getting Mike Johnson, who I really like. I mean, I really like Mike Johnson, like a lot of things he has to say. Uh, I may disagree on some things, but so too would be the case with Donald Trump and any other political uh, candidate that 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 came uh, to the to the public stage or into the spotlight, onto the podium. Um, we're not going to agree with any political candidate on everything, and and uh, you know, perfect is the enemy of the good, right? So uh, I like Mike Johnson. Great luck to him. I'm I'm happy that that we got a speaker, uh, and I'm happy that the speaker has has been on the record in trying to fight against the things that he's tried to fight against. But before we got to Mike Johnson, there was a fight about a sort of uniparty, uh, uh, a uniparty revolt against Matt Gates and the, and the other eight who called foul on the spending bill. And the spending bill is at the heart of it, and the debt ceiling is at the heart of it. And we're going to see what this Congress does now that we have a speaker with leader Mike Johnson when it comes to the debt ceiling in the very near future. I mean, it's not going to be long before the referendum falls on this new organ, or newly organized congressional body to prove what it really stands for. And the debt ceiling is the, uh, the, the line in the sand. And up until now, up until today, up until this moment in American history, up until Donald Trump, the Uniparty had come together time and time again to, to pass the buck on spending bills and on other legislation that kick the can down the road for the issues that are most pertinent, most important to the American people, but also uh, supported, supported the, the corporate interests and the lobbying interests of, of, of corporations here in this country, but all around the world. And it served in the interest of this global citizenship. It served in the interest of this, 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 uh, this dogma about globalization. And now they'll say globalism is a dog whistle for, unironically, anti-Semitism. But it's not really an anti-Semitic comment at all. It's not really about Jews at all. Globalism is the idea that, that borders don't matter, that, nation, that, that nationality don't matter, that nation states are ineffective or obsolete, that there's no, there's, no, there's no fundamental reason, there's no fundamental value in being a citizen of a nation. Being a nation doesn't matter. And I preface all, I preface dear Jason Whitlock with all of that to help people understand my frustration. And my frustration is that Jason um, is currently working for a company that is half owned by one of these neocon rhinos, Mark Levin. And this may be my, this may be the day that I never get to go back on fearless with Jason Whitlock and Jason has to make that choice for himself and, and it's his show and he gets to decide to do whatever he wants. I'm still going to love and support him no matter what, no matter, no matter what happens. I love and support Jason Whitlock, but he's working for one of the people who, who is quite honestly, uh, 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 
a key player, a key thought leader for many, many decades in this sort of rhino neocon movement. Mark Levin, that's, you know, it is what it is. He's a neocon. Now, Glenn, I don't really, you know, I'm neither here nor there on Glenn. You know, I, I, uh, I like a lot of the things that Glenn has to say. I think Glenn understands globalism and globalization. I think he understands the issues. I, I've, I've been a fan of Glenn and some of the stuff that he talks about for many, many years. I can remember being 10 years old listening to Glenn Beck and thinking, oh, man, they all probably think he's crazy. But there's something to what he's saying. Just the passion and conviction alone, he's trying to, trying to pull at a thread that, that you just don't hear anywhere else. And whether or not it ends up being true, the, the ability, the courage to think outside of the box when, when, when talking about global issues uh, is, is, is a starting block for having any real transformational conversation. And Glenn was willing to do that. So I tip my hat and give credit where it's due. Um, but in all my time being on Jason Whitlock, in all my time contributing on Fearless, I've never once been on Glenn Beck's show. And I'm not wounded by it. I'm not hurt by it. I mean, I just, it's just, it's just conspicuous. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's strange. It's strange, especially when he and I talk about many of the same issues. Many, he and I talk about many of the same, uh, many of the same uh, sort of vectors of, 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 of politics. Um, so that is what it is. But Mark Levin is a rhino and a neocon to the max. I mean, he, he's, he's everything that's wrong with the Republican Party. He's everything that's wrong with the conservative movement. And it has nothing to do with Israel. It, you know, it, it, it only loosely has to do with Israel. But it's really this idea that, that the American, the American uh, dominance on the world stage is predicated solely on our ability to be able to, to show force uh, or, or be, be this, this protectorate all, ac all across the world. And it becomes, that, that worldview becomes uh, a sort of uh, conduit, uh, you know, it becomes the pathway, it, it becomes the, the, the pretense, it becomes the pretext for the military-industrial complex to be completely out of control and going back to my initial comment, undermine the sovereignty and the, the value of citizenship for each and every one of you out there, each and every one of you common working-class American citizens by hyperinflating the, the cost. I was riding a, 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 an Uber yesterday, and, and my Uber driver just you know, looked in the rearview mirror, and he goes, are you Royce White? And I go, yeah. And he goes, man, I, I really want to you know, say thank you for what you're doing politically, and, and I, I support your, your run against Amy Klobuchar. She sure is a good politician, quote, unquote. And, and what makes her good in many people's eyes is she stays quiet, out of the headlines. She's really neither here nor there. She's middle of the road. Uh, she raises a lot of money for Minnesota on paper when it comes to federal money, which ultimately ex ex expands the, 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 the government. Um, and uh, she, she, she is all in on the military industrial complex. And in that way, uh, what's the difference between Amy Klobuchar and Mark Levin? I mean, when you really get down to what the juice is of this entire political culture here in America, what's the difference between Amy Klobuchar and Mark Levin? Not much. And there's not much different. And for that matter, there's not much difference between Mark Levin, Tom Emmer, Amy Klobuchar, and Hakeem Jeffries. And, and the mainstream media wants to show you these figures across a political spectrum that makes you feel like 
they're all in different locales. Makes it makes you feel like they're on all, you know, they're in different, they're they're on different places on that political spectrum. But what is the common interest? Kiwi Bono, who benefits from their type of ideological or political worldview? And it's clear the military industrial complex benefits the federal government filled with polished, polite, puppet politicians, uh, you know, facilitating broker the deal, and they preserve the corrupt status quo. This is what the D.C. cartel has become. This is what, D, uh, you know, Steve Bannon is talking about. And this is why your people like Karl Rove and, and, and Mark Levin and David Frum and, and all these other conservatives, on any given day, you can catch them. Mark is different. He's, he's doing a different thing. Mark will, Mark will, will, Mark is, his deal is intended to seem like he's something. He's the furthest end of the co controlled opposition. And actually, I won't even say he's the furthest end of the controlled opposition. I'd say Nick Fuentes and that crew in the alternative media space are the furthest end of the controlled opposition. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a moment. But Mark is intended to be the the outer bastion of of mainstream conservative media that that you know seems extreme by comparison to the middle, but is really in the end in in, in the in, uh, you know working in the interest of the same political worldview. And and you know you, you don't have to believe me. You can say it's conspiracy theory or whatever you want, but just take those individuals and see how they feel about the military. And this conflict right now in Israel shows us a lot about who people are. And now, granted, I know some people may not be in the knowing about where we are, who, you know, what, what this is, and, and, and what certain policy recommendations or legislative recommendations really mean. Because it's the wild, wild west. You know, double cross, triple cross, quadruple cross. It's hard to follow along. So what I'm trying to do right now is give people a, a cheat sheet. And that's what I've been trying to do on Fearless with Jason Whitlock. And, and I see the feedback. I see the comments. I see people saying, oh, it's too much. It's too deep. Just get to the point. Or, you know, you're using too many big words. And, and, and I, I want to quote, um, quote the late William Buckley, who I think was a, a genuine conservative and one of the more profound conservative voices in American history, although at the time he himself was uh, working in the interest of the military-industrial complex during the Vietnam War, which ex post facto, reading the best and the brightest, I'm reading the best and the brightest right now, ex post facto, the Vietnam War, the, the verdict on the Vietnam War by conventional wisdom is, is already in. We made, mis we made a mistake. We made a, a number of mistakes that, that led to a, a failed uh, military, uh, uh, you know, a failed military endeavor, but... But we are seen as, as having made a huge mistake in, in, in Vietnam. But William Buckley wasn't of that variety. He was the, the, the neocon at the time. Now, just like I said with Glenn Beck, do I respect William Buckley as an intellectual? Do I respect his ability to convey a message? Do I respect his willingness to bring uh, uh, controversial, some would say, or, or um, opinions onto his show, The Firing Line, was a famous and an incredible show. Uh, bring those people on the show, and, and he wasn't scared to platform people he didn't agree with. No, because he was willing to defend his ideas, and you give credit where credit's due. And I want to credit William Buckley for his work on The Firing Line. I think it was incredible. Um, a lot of it was incredible journalism. And, and, but I want to quote him, and he said once he was, you know, he was asked, 
why do you use such, you know, such complicated language, such complicated words? And he said, because they have precise meaning. I'm using words that I think are, are precisely articulate what I'm trying to convey. And part of that's been lost on the entire American culture. And that is not, that, that is a, a two-way street. One, we have an education system, we have political elites, and, and we have public commentators and, and, and a media establishment that have systematically lowered the bar of, of, in, of, of intelligence, of, 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 into, of intellectual currency, of, of philosophical currency. We have a bankruptcy of, of, philos of philosophical currency and intellectual currency, and it plays to the advantage of the establishment. Let's give them all the porn they can, they can handle. Let's overload their mind with porn uh, so they can't really be effective in the processes or the government that presides over them or the institutions that preside over them. The, the main one fight finance, which is how economic nationalism, the calling card of Donald Trump's candidacy and presidency, architected by many members of the Tea Party and, and the great Steve Bannon himself, but, but also Breitbart and some others as well, that movement, that economic nationalist movement, moved the American people, moved the needle of American political culture because it pointed out the very blatant contradictions of our economic policy. Economic nationalism, America first. So finance is a huge piece of the, of the pie, a huge piece of the puzzle. But again, William Buckley says, hey, I use big words. I use complex words because I'm trying to precisely articulate what it is I need, I need to say. And words have precise meaning. And so when you, when you go to a show like Jason's, which has become a very prominent independent media show, you can tell that, let's go to the comments. So let's talk about the comments. You can tell that there are people who come to a Jason Whitlock show for a profound, um, a profound um, explanation, uh, inspiration, uh, encouragement, analysis of all the things that are going wrong in the world. And then there are the American citizens, then there are the people who come to Jason Whitlock for the sports jerk off respectfully. And then I say this in love again to my good friend, Jason Whitlock. Dear Jason Whitlock, there may be a future with football and no freedom. I could see a future where there's football, but there is no freedom. And I could see a future, a, a near future where there is football, but there is no freedom. And I think you know, my, my frustration is if, if the things that Jason and I talk about are complex, they need, they need more time, they need other sort of assets to flush out like images or videos or dates and times or timelines and, you know, whatever else. My question is, why do we spend less time on the show during the week or over the course of, of a month on those topics, but we spend more time, more general time on sports topics? That's, that's just a question that, I mean, it's just a, and you know, again, this is why William Buckley had an entire show that was dedicated to bringing the most, the most controversial and political intellectual questions into the, the you know, into the, into the spotlight and, and discussing them consistently.
This is what needs to be done. This is what had to be done in order to flush out some of those very uh, complicated, uh, uh, historical, uh, political, social, economic ideas. Because it's not, it's not easy. It's a shit show. Now, look, a, an idea like America first. Really, Donald Trump's success and, and his rise to stardom in the pol American political culture is because America first is as simple an idea as you can possibly get behind. Look, you're a citizen. Your citizenship should be the highest priority for the leaders that you elect to public office. Your rights, your, 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 your inalienable human rights should be the priority. And the value of your citizenship, easy idea. Now, you'll have all these people like David Frum and, 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 um, and Sean Hannity or, or, or Karl Rove or, or the Bushes or, uh, uh, you know, Mark Levin come, you know, into a room, onto a stage, before a microphone, at a podium, under a spotlight, and tell you all these sort of intellectualized reasons why America First is not really uh, a, an efficacious policy approach, foreign policy, domestic policy, so on and so forth. And again, Mark's not going to do it in the same, same uh, visceral kind of, you know, aggressive way that David Frum would do it. You know, David Frum is like a, uh, a devout never-Trumper, right? Mark Levin's like a secret never-Trumper. And there are devout never-Trumpers and secret never-Trumpers. Like Tom Emmer is a semi-secret never-Trumper, right? He'll drape himself in America First or in MAGA so that the, the constituents in CD6 don't vote him out of that House position. And the power does rest with you. And that's the other thing we're going to get to in, in a moment. But again, I want to say to Jason, these topics, these things that are going on are so much more important than sports and football. These times we're in are so much more important than sports and football or basketball or golf or MMA or whatever the case may be. We don't have time for one single person in this country who is able to access the very few number of people who are willing to tell the truth at their own expense to get a dose of anything other than the, 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 the action, the, the, the strategy and basic information they need to have sound, sound, reasonable, and logical construction of their views and their action plan to save this republic. They don't have time for anything else. We don't have time for anything else. We've already lost. And I think that's what, that's what people don't realize. The... The normalcy, the normalcy, the, the sort of way the system works is that it's intended to give you the, the illusion that there is no crisis. They only show you the crisis or they talk about crisis when it's time to, to push on your buttons emotionally to get you to move one way or another to their advantage. But the crisis has proceeded the entire time. The crisis began when we went to a, a, a second, uh, an American citizenship second national and, and foreign policy. This was after World War II. And in that way, Israel, as one, of the, as one of the first acts of the United Nations, this reconstructed global government or global cooperation, Israel became the linchpin of the post-World War II democratic liberal order. It became the linchpin of the, the globalism movement. That's not, that's not on the Jews. Now, there are certain people who identify as Jews, 
which I would contest, but there are certain people who identify as Jew who have played a role in that. But the real, the real, um, the real indictment is of all of us because there was something they were pitching. There was something they were selling us. There was something they had to offer at that fundamental human level in our fallen nature that we gravitated towards, that we couldn't say no to, that, that we couldn't see past, that we didn't have the wisdom or moral fortitude, spiritual, spiritual armor to, to defend against. And, we, it, and it was so profound, it was so powerful that we, we got ourselves into a 70-year death spiral. And see, we all think that, you know, a story we want to tell to ourselves is that individual fighters like myself and Alex Jones and Steve Bannon and Jason Whitlock or, or, or Donald Trump or, or whoever you want to say, our individual courage and fortitude and fight is what has propped, has propped us up, has kept us afloat. That, that's an arrogance, respectfully to all of those people, and myself included. I'm not under any false illusion that any one of these people are the reason why this thing is still afloat. In my opinion, the establishment is so far ahead of us. They have propped up. They have held up. They, they have kept the bottom from falling out. Themselves for their own, for their own ability to control the thing going forward. And so they, 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 they perpetuate the crisis that is subtle and quiet, right? And the, 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 the value of the dollar slowly, you know, decreases. Inflation slowly rises. The expansion of the administrative state slowly gets bigger. The expansion of surveillance state or the normalcy of, 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 of police surveillance or, or, or federal government surveillance in, in the country slowly gets bigger. The creeping normalcy of a, a crony capitalist and corrupt corporate culture slowly gets bigger. And before you know it, Pfizer has its, has its, uh, you know, has its hands in every single pocket of every single politician and, and corporation uh, all across the country and, and, you know, throughout the world. Or the Black Rocks of the world, the hedgehogs, the, the vanguards of the world. These people have their tentacles in corporations and politicians all around the world. And they may even let a Mark Levin stay around to create the illusion that there's a resistance. But the real resistance, they want to stomp out. And Owen Schroyer is an example of that. Alex Jones is an example of that. Steve Bannon is an example of that. I want Jason Whitlock to become an example of that. I need Jason Whitlock. We need Jason Whitlock to become an example of that, 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 that level of self-sacrifice that the establishment doesn't, 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 doesn't let exist to create the illusion that there's resistance, but that the establishment feels the sense of urgency to take out right now. And some would say, well, why would you sabotage or, or you know, go on a suicide mission like that? Th that, that's the, that is the call of faith. And that's why when I go on to Fearless and, and I talk about the jerk-off society we've built, or I talk about how many Christians, 501c3 Christians in the country, have made a, a, a superficial and petty societal uh, deal like profanity, the calling card of their, of their Christianity, um, you can see it sort of, uh, projected from from what the conversation uh, from you can see you can see where the pitfall of of American citizenship has has 
began. We have a crisis of faith. That is the real call and duty of faith. When Steve Bannon walked down the hallway and said, and said, I have not yet begun to fight. Those are the moments that could eventually lead to a genuine fight, a genuine fight to save this republic. Sure, the, the establishment still has its hands on the, uh, on the wheel and still has its tentacles far and wide enough to create the illusion of resistance through Mark Levin. But when a Steve Bannon makes that walk down that hallway, when he when he gets perp walked by a kangaroo court and he says in front of the entire American people, I have not yet begun to fight. Do your worst. Those are the inspirational. Those are the righteous moments that could really move the needle. And so I get a call from from Jason Whitlock or I get a text from Jason Whitlock and and we have this conversation about about. What's good for his audience? Respectfully, sir. The audience that watches this show is not my audience. The audience that watches Fearless is not your audience. The audience that watches War Room is not Steve's audience. The audience that watches InfoWars is not Alex Jones's audience. The audience that watches Tucker is not Tucker's audience. It doesn't belong to him. When you're an evangelist, when you're a, a minister for Christ, your work belongs to the Lord. When you're a, a, a fighter, when you're a, a patriot for American freedom and American citizenship, your, your work belongs to the people. And that's not a communist idea. That's about sacred honor. That's about national honor. What I'm saying on this podcast doesn't belong to me. And at the very moment where this podcast, this show, where Free People Radio as a company tips that scale and becomes too much a, a, a vehicle, of, of the spirit of the establishment, which means to leverage money over you, leverage success, leverage power over you, put it before you like a carrot and make you follow it and tip that scale away from the truth that needs to be told, it has become controlled opposition. Some people become controlled opposition because they unwillingly, unwittingly. Some people become controlled opposition knowingly. Mark Levin is a knowing Knowing um, Mark Levin knows he's controlled opposition. Jason Whitlock is slowly going to become the controlled opposition if he can't reel in, reel in his calling. His calling ain't about sports, his calling ain't about football. His calling ain't about basketball, and it really ain't about Dave Chappelle. On Tuesday, we were supposed to talk about, you know, uh, you know, the problem between blacks and Jews here in America. On the brink of a world war right there in Israel, how can I even talk about, how can I talk about blacks and Jews in the context, the sole context of American culture without referencing a world war that is being fenced or, or, or is being, being uh, sold in a narrative that creates a racial dynamic between blacks and Jews on, on the world stage. Doesn't make sense. And some people would, and, and so, you know, Jason would say, you should start from the local and walk towards the global. No, that's wrong. People actually need to have the fundamentals down. They actually need to have the history and the entire scope of a thing, and then you continue 
to discuss the thing and weed out the details until you arrive at individual situations that then, then can be uh, uh, identified back to the, the, the baseline, the, the fundamental. This is why when Steve Bannon started the America First, the, the, uh, or when, when Steve Bannon brought the economic nationalism from Breitbart in this populist movement that is now dominating America's political culture. When he brought that, he went to the financial scam first. He went back to the debt, the national debt, and the way the entire administrative state works. He went to the administrative state. Now, when Steve Bannon talked about, first spoke about the administrative state, many people who are now loyal MAGA supporters didn't necessarily know what the administrative state meant. He said it. He said it again. He said it again. He made predictions. He told people how things were going to go. And many times it turned out to be true. So much so that the New York Times recently said that War Room is the most dangerous, the most dangerous media uh, outlet in, in, in the country. Well, it could just as easily be fearless. Fearless could be right up there in, in, that, in that group. But Jason has to make that decision. He has to make that decision whether or not he wants to throw himself into the line of fire, whether he wants to really, really ruffle the feathers of the power that, that powers that be in order to become that. And he can become that. And that's why this isn't a, this isn't a, um, this isn't a, to, to talk down about Jason by any sense, by, by any stretch of the imagination. This is to, to hopefully inspire Jason once and for all to become what God has called him to be, what this country needs him to be. We don't give a fuck about football, respectfully. And I know a lot of people do care about football. And I know T.J. Moe cares a lot about football. And I know there's an entire audience out there that cares a lot about football. But we have to make the decision right now as leaders, what is good for the country, what is good for for Christians, what is good for our future, what is good for our children, what is good for our family and our freedom, and what is good for us. Now, could I have a really big podcast if I talked about basketball all day or if I, you know, if I if I took every single headline, every single cultural headline and made a comment about it and 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 you know, typed the titles in of the of the uh, you know, of the conversation to uh, you know, to to reflect people's general brainwashed sense of what they want to what they want to watch and listen to what they want to pay attention to yeah you could do that the difference between an orator and a leader is an orator says things waits to see what the crowd's response is and then they modify what they say to generate more positive response from the crowd hitler was an orator he would say a thing and if it would rile the crowd up he would say a little bit more of it he would say a thing, and if it would rile the crowd up, he would say a little more of it. And it didn't matter whether the the it didn't matter whether the spirit or the the rowling up of the crowd was based on a, a moral and ethical uh, basis. In fact, quite evidently by history, Hitler used black truth, for example, using the truth or telling the truth for a manipulative or, or malicious purpose. He used black truth to rile the crowd up. That was his modus operandi. And I'm not saying Jason is doing that, but I'm saying we all face a fight to balance. And even more importantly, let's not even say balance because the scale is tipped way in one direction. This ain't about balance no more. The scale is already tipped. We have to try and rebalance it. 
And the only way you can rebalance it is by making hard choices and being focused and disciplined and committed to the, the path and action needed, despite the ramification that it has on whatever, whatever you get out of it. It's not, his, it's not your conversation, Jason, just like this isn't mine. The time we live in, what we've been called to do, the duty we've been given is to save the republic, to save freedom, to, to, to uh, represent the interests of, of, of Christians and Christ and believers uh, of, of all varieties all around the world. That's what we've been called to do. Let's go back to football after, you know, let's, let's go back to football when we're not on the verge of nuclear war. I mean, let's not, let's not, set, let's not set a precedent that, that there's any false equivalency of time allocated to important conversation between sports and nuclear war or sports and, and global geopolitical corruption or sports and, and the idea of globalism or the rise of a police state. And when we service the, the American people, the audience that will accept that, we're not being leaders. We're, we're not being leaders. We're, we, you're, not, you're not transforming. And this is another, this is exactly what the NBA told me. And, and I want to, I, I understand this and I feel so passionately about it because I experienced elites just like Mark Levin in the NBA who make, who make uh, exceptions and, 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 and moral relative statements about, about uh, ethics and, 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 and values uh, to, 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 you know, fool unbeknownst people into, into thinking they're doing a righteous thing when really they're, they're undermining it from the very start. Like, for example, the NBA w would say uh, mental health is a great, is a great, you know, is a great cause. Mental health is a great thing to fight for. It's a great thing to advocate for. You know what? We would love to help you. But, but who's going who's gonna to listen to you if you don't play in the NBA? And look where I'm at now. It took an extra 10 years. Yeah, partly because every, every door I turned to that, that would usually provide the, the, the material resources or the, or the startup sort of resources or the, the, um, the machinery to help build a, a broadcast talent or, or, or a political candidate, let's say, or even from an athletic standpoint, every door I would turn to was being, was being roped off by the NBA. Was it because I couldn't play? No, it was because of my political beliefs. Was it because I had wronged them? No, it was because of my political beliefs. So when they tell you, when people tell you that you can start from an illegitimate place and it won't have ramifications down the road, this is exactly the way that our D.C. cartel and uniparty have lied to the American people about an essential issue like spending to kick the can down the road, continue to get elected like Kevin McCarthy and promise promise that they'll get around to the moral part. You're not getting around to the moral part down the road. If you don't start there, there ain't no getting around to it. I mean, it's arrogant to even believe that. It's arrogant to assume that you'll be alive to get to the moral part. I, I don't, I, the, the, the comf what, what, what comforted my anxiety the most, people ask me all the time because I was, you know, I was in the public from suffering from anxiety. And I, anxiety is just one form of, of you could say, uh, existential turmoil, existential crisis within the human condition. It could be depression. It could be PTSD. It could be sleep disorders. It could be food disorder. It could be whatever, you know, whatever. Anxiety is just one form of it. Very common form. 
more towards the, the, the fundamental makeup of, of the human condition. But it's just one variation. And people will always come up to me and ask me, how do you deal with your anxiety? You know, what helps you deal with your anxiety? Well, number one, I tell them angst and despair are emergent qualities of the human condition. So everybody's going to have to fight that, that, that depressive or anxious bug throughout life. There's part of that quality that makes us human. If we didn't have that angst and, and, and that, 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 if we didn't have that, that natural angst in us, you would never get up out of bed in the morning. If, if you didn't have that sense of despair, there'd be no glory in self-sacrifice. So angst and despair are emergent. So I never qualify me dealing with my anxiety by saying I cured it. That's a lie. You can't cure it. You can manage it. There's how you deal with it, how you respond to it, but there is no cure. But I tell people the way that I managed it, the number one way I managed it was I started to tell the truth. I, not only did I start to tell the truth, I started to understand why it was important to tell the truth and, and what I meant by the truth. And the truth isn't just, uh, you know, this chair here is black or, or, or this sweater here is a, a sort of red brownish color or this hat says wine on it or this is a microphone. Yeah, that's the truth. Or even the LGBTQ is out of control. Yeah, that's the truth. But the truth I needed to strive to tell was the truth that was going to make me the most vulnerable to the, the highest levels of corruption and wickedness and evil that I possibly could. That, that you know, This is Christianity. This is why in the Bible it says, you will be persecuted for my name's sake. You will be persecuted for doing as I do, for, for, for following in my footsteps, for following me for professing faith in me. And it's not just the 501c3, I believe in Christ, I believe in biblical principles, I believe in a biblical worldview, like our good friend Jason Whitlock often says, and I do believe that he's a Christian and he believes in these things for sure. There's no doubt about that. I'm not calling that into question in any way. But, but the highest philosophical understanding of Christ and the value of Christ's leadership and following Christ is that sense of self-sacrifice that urgency of self-sacrifice. That's why when you tune into Alex Jones today or tomorrow or, or yesterday or earlier this week, I heard him say, I'm ready to die. I could walk out of this building right now and somebody could shoot me and I'm ready for that. My family's ready for that and I get to go be with Christ. That's self-sacrifice. Steve Bannon walking down the hallway, being perp walking the Supreme Court. I have not yet begun to fight. That's self-sacrifice. Every time Jason Whitlock goes and talks about sports and football and, and, and uh, you know, makes, makes a, a, a weeks-long show off of, off of sports or even, even the superficial political issues, you know, that are, are for people who, who get their politics with French fries. We're not helping them. We're not helping them. That's the God's honest truth. We're not helping the, we're not helping the American people. The American people have been brainwashed. They've been misled. They've been manipulated. They've been managed into this intellectual and philosophical bankruptcy that is hard for them to shake. The only thing that will shake them is inspiration, inspirational leadership. Inspirational leadership usually begins with the, the, the fundamental foundation of self-sacrifice from that person. This is what Christ did. 
Yes, I'm going to preach. I'm going to minister. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, um, I'm going to speak to my father's love and, and will and the interpretation of scripture against the temple head, against the Sanhedrin and the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And if they, if they crucify me for it, so be it. Then it's on you to carry that message and minister the gospel. And I'm not saying that the Bible and that Christ is not a central part of the fearless conversation, but what I am going to say is to, to, to believe, and this is sort of a, a 501c3 Protestant type of deal, to believe, and, and the, you know, don't, don't get me wrong, when I talk about the, the, the 501c3 Protestantism, it's just a fact that the Protestant, the, the Protestant Christian uh, uh, denomination is the number one denomination of Christians in America. That's just a fact. And it's been that way since the beginning. This, you know, if you say this is a Christian country, you could say this is a Protestant country. You know, to this day, over 50% of the people who identify as Christian are Protestant. Catholics are like 20%. Per the numbers. And the Catholic Church has a ton of problems. Don't get me wrong. You know, no doubt. Nobody knows more than I do. I, I had the pleasure of speaking uh, on a, a, a virtual conference uh, right before the great Archbishop Vigano. And Archbishop Vigano had an incredible letter that I'm going to read here on the podcast next week or Sunday. I'm actually going to do a Sunday show this week and, you know, my ad-free Sunday show. And, and I'm going to read uh, Archbishop Vigano's letter here on the, on the podcast for those who haven't read it. It's an incredible letter. It's incredible. It's straightforward. Doesn't matter if people call me crazy. Doesn't matter if people don't understand what I'm saying. Don't matter if people don't understand the terminology. None of that matters. All that matters is telling the truth and inspiring those people who may actually have any chance of, 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 of turning the, the, the newly found information into political or spiritual action. That's all that matters. But there's a part of us, there's a part of each of us that still wants to be liked, that still wants to be accepted, that still wants the 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 that still wants the uh, the 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 visual perception of some type of success. And so Jason said to me, and you know, in this conversation, he says, "Listen, you know, you you know, we go back and forth, and I tell Jason all the time, buddy." You got to go up. You got to go up. You you still want, you still think you can, you know, your, 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 net, your net is big enough. You're trying to drag people in that don't agree with you. They, they just don't agree with you. And they, and they may never agree with you, and that's okay. That's okay. The ministry, the, the, where we are in the country today, where we are as Christians, the danger we're in right now, all the Jason Whitlocks of the world, and I'm not just talking about Jason. I'm using Jason as an example for anybody out there who has an audience. All the Jason Whitlocks of the world right now have to look up. We have to aim up. Now, I don't mean aim up into the stars in some sort of self-aggrandized, uh, you know, egotistical, uh, you know, messianic type of, type of way. No, I mean aim up in that the, the, highest, the highest level that you can conjure up to tell the American people and inspire the American people or inspire free people all around the world to, to wake up 
to hear the truth, to see the truth, and turn it into action is what we need. We don't have time for anything else. And that's part of the reason why I'm, why I'm drawn to use profanity, because in, in some sense, uh, you know, people have been talking in a, in a polite, polished manner for 100 years. In fact, people have been talking and urging this thing since the days of Christ. And before that, there's always somebody who tells people things in a way that's soft and mild and, 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 and it's, you know, digestible. And yet here we are. And in fact, over the last hundred years, we may have, over the, the last hundred years here in America, uh, the last hundred years in a global, in an, uh, uh, in, in a, uh, an American-dominated global society, we have fallen further than any other time maybe in human history. And you have to measure it by comparison. It's not, it's not that there weren't other times in human history that were worse in other places in the world. It's, it's how easy it could be for us to have a relatively safe, peaceful, logical, functioning society today. And that's a real indictment of technology. That's a real indictment of this post-World War II democratic liberal order that has been led, that has been fostered, that has been preserved by people just like Mark Levin. Never Trumpers, in secret, time to go to war. Time to go to war for Israel, unlimited funding, unlimited support for Israel. Nobody, nobody gets our unlimited support. Nobody gets unconditional support from a country that's bankrupt. And, and the great A.J. Barker, who I'm going to have on probably next week, I got a star-studded lineup next week. I think I'm going to do... Uh, Mom Monday. I think I'm going to do you know AJ Barker hopefully during the week and and uh, you know I got I got another surprise guest next week that I won't say yet but but we're going to have a star-studded cast next week hopefully hopefully all the schedules work out but AJ and I were talking about this 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 conflict or this war in Israel and 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 he made a very good point you know and 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 in, in a vassal in a vassal uh, relationship vassal state which we are the empire or at least. We like to pretend that we're the empire. In, in an empire, the vassal state pays money to you. You don't pay money to the vassal state and then come protect the vassal state. This is reverse vassalism. You know, when, when we're the empire and our satellite vassal state is, is aligned with us, is an a, 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 a allegiant to us, and we have their back, they pay money to us. They pay tribute to us to have that protection. What, what payment do we receive from Israel? What payment do we receive from, from South Korea? What payment do we receive from, from the entire European Union? What tribute do they pay to us? This is what Donald Trump, the two things that make people, that, that people were most, um, the, the two things that made Donald Trump the threat that he, is today the two the two things that he did the two fundamental things that he did that moved the needle that changed the status quo that made the democrats and the left and the rest of the prevailing political elite and and uniparty uh, apparatus uh bloodthirsty to take him out the two things he did were question the 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 deal with nato question the structure the structural deal with nato and not take us into any wars, no new wars. 
I don't care what they say about mean tweets. I don't care what they say about Stormy Daniels. I don't care how many rat fucks they bring out of the woodwork to try and turn state's evidence now. Might you know? Then they got Cohen, and now he's going to change his testimony and perjure himself, and all of a sudden we're supposed to believe what the fuck he says because we have some bloodthirst for a witch hunt when it comes to Donald Trump. I don't care about any of that. I don't care what they tell you. I don't care what they tell you on MSNBC. I don't care what David Frum tells you. I don't care what Carl Rove tells you. I don't care what any of the, Kevin McCarthy, I don't care what any of them tell you. The two reasons that they want Donald Trump's blood is because he questioned the deal with NATO, the structure of the deal with NATO, and he questioned or, or he effectively fought the military industrial complexes desire to bring us into perpetual conflict. That's why they want him gone. Because NATO was a microcosm of America's foreign policy and our uh, international relationships with many nations, not just the European Union. Who's paying us? Why are we paying the vassal states? Why are we paying the, 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 the tributary states? Why are we paying them and we've become a tributary state to our national uh, mortal enemy, China. And I go on Whitlock all the time and talk about China. And, and, you know, the people who get it, get it. The people who are crossover fans from Alex Jones and, and, and Steve Bannon and all the other truth tellers, they understand it. And even Jason understands it. But there's this part of his audience. There's this cuck, run-of-the-mill, uh, useful idiot, American jerk-off, that's a part of the audience that goes, you know, what does this have to do with anything? Why is this important? This is conspiracy theory. Those are the rhinos. If you think that nobody's voted for the rhinos in their individual congressional races, in their individual Senate races, and little pockets all across the country, you're naive to the, the, the landscape of the American political culture. Yeah, there, there are rhinos out there in the grassroots. Now, the majority. A, 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 a prevailing majority of Republican voters in the grassroots are America firsters and Trumpers. Per the polls, their polls, the mainstream's polls, 70 million people voted for Trump. Yeah. I'd say about 20 million out of those probably voted for Trump on a Republican Party basis. That we'll, we'll, we'll take Trump rather than a Democrat. We'll take Trump rather than Hillary. We'll take Trump rather than Joe Biden. And that's a rightful decision. That, that's a right decision to make. Yeah. Makes sense. You should take Trump before Joe Biden or Hillary Clinton. But that doesn't make them Trumpers. That doesn't make them America firsters. That doesn't make them MAGA. And I don't want to and I don't want to castigate them because we can have a difference of opinion in the in the in the camp. But let's talk about that difference of opinion. Let's be honest about it. Let's let's have the adult conversation now. What is that difference of opinion really based on? The difference of opinion is based on the, the, the reality, the truth, that some people in the country, even if they're in the wire on the Republican or conservative side, want to preserve the status quo. They don't think it's that bad. Why don't they think it's that bad? Because they can still turn on the television on Sunday and, and watch football. Or they can still go down to McDonald's and get a cheeseburger. Or they can still, you know, mosey on down to the, the, the local watering hole and, and, have a, and have a Bud Light. 
or in some real, you know, real, real interesting cases, they can still go to their local drug dealer and, and, and get their cocaine or, the, or their heroin or their marijuana or, or their pills or, or whatever the case may be. They can still get their fix as long as they can get there. See, that's the thing about addiction. And addiction just doesn't come in the form of hard narcotics, which is why I use George Floyd as an example. Don't, don't be thinking you're not George Floyd because you're not so strung out that you're buzzling around and babbling around on the street before you get, you know, before you die in, in a police interaction. All of us have been brainwashed into some, some incremental form of addiction, whether it be television, sports, food, um, gambling, alcohol. And in some strange but, but common cases, even politics. Even politics can be a form of addiction. Just another way for us to, to uh, just another false catharsis. The system has built layers and layers of false catharsis that prey on the vulnerability of the human condition. And I can say that and you can, you can respond at home, hey, Hey, that's the type of stuff we're talking about. We don't know what that means. Well, let me slow it down for you. The establishment, the prevailing establishment, your political elites, your corporate elites, your economic elites, they have, they have with great precision, might I add, with dark science, let's call it, they have created a system that, that services all of the, the vulnerabilities of the human condition. Angst, despair, emergent qualities in the human condition. Let's find a way to service those emergent qualities. Let's find a way to, 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 to absorb the momentum of the pitfalls in the human condition. And one of those is false catharsis. Every couple of weeks, there's a holiday. Every month, there's a national holiday. Every week, every day, there's a sports event. Every day, there's a news headline. Every day, there's a political headline for you to be absorbed with. Every day, there's something going on that's sh pu pushed in your face, shoved down your throat, and meant to push a, a button emotionally. And ultimately, that's, that's not even the problem. That's just getting in the blocks. That's just the starting point. They've built that matrix around you, which is the profundity of the matrix. And I appreciate the great Jason Whitlock being the first one to give me the, the, uh, the, 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 the alias of Morpheus. Uh, that, that, that's really fitting. And, and it, you know, the matrix that was built around you conceptually is based on this idea. You have an infinite matrix of, of distraction that was built around you. But that's not even the worst part. The worst part is when you engage with the matrix constantly, but there are very few moments where you let true, true righteousness, you let the truth, sacred honor, national honor, mobilize you, inspire you, motivate you into political or spiritual action. That's the real, that, that's the real downfall of, of, of human society right now and of American citizenship. There's too much to jerk off to, and, and, and the problem isn't that there's so many options to jerk off to. The problem is that we seem to want to hit every single bell. And I said it the other day, and I meant it. When I say don't die a jerk off, I'm not trying to demonize people who jerk off. I'm not trying to demonize people who've jerked off. 
I'm saying don't die a jerk off. Like, quite literally, don't die while you're jerking off. And the more, the more jerk off bells you ring that the establishment, that the matrix is set up, the more jerk off whack-a-moles you try and hit on a daily basis, the more chance that you'll actually die in the process of jerking off. And that's a sad and tragic waste of, of human, of, of, of human energy, of, of the human spirit, of the gifts and the blessings that we've been given here uh, intellectually, consciously as human beings. It's a sad and tragic waste. But even from a self-preservation standpoint, it's sad and tragic. Don't do it for the high end. I said aim high, but don't even do it for the high end. Do it for yourself at this point. Because we're at a stage where the pendulum will swing, the, the, the cannon is being wheeled around, wielded around, uh, wheeled around. The, the cannon is being turned around and pointed right at you. Being pointed right, the barrel is pointed right at you. And people ask me all the time, you know, what, you know, first of all, I don't have any notes. I don't write any pre-show notes. Now, if you want to see how I write, I, I think I'm a fairly decent writer myself. You can go to my Substack and and see how I write. I don't write anything like I talk because I don't think it's appropriate. I think they're two completely different mediums of, of communication. And when one writes, when one has the time and the space and the and the and the convenience and the the uh, the luxury of being able to write their thoughts out and, and go back and edit and 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 you know, uh, you know figure out what they're really trying to convey and and then and then change certain things to to meet that 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 expectation of their own writing and work. That's one medium of of, of communication. The medium of communication we're in right here right now is let's just talk about the real shit. I don't have any notes. I, I've been going for an hour and a half. I could go another two hours. Easy. No notes. Because there's not an agenda. There's nobody I'm trying to appease. There's no, there's no narrative that I'm trying to service. Let's just talk about the reality. If you get down to the basis of what's wrong with this, everybody goes, what's the solution? Oh, you talk about the problems. What's the solution? Everybody knows what the solution is. Everybody knows what needs to be done. The question is, who's going to do it? Who's willing to do it? Everybody knows, everybody knows what, what the problem is. We have let the high become so good, we often look away from the most basic choices, the most basic decisions that could help improve the quality of the conversation and thus the standard of living and the, and the, 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 the leadership, the leadership to preserve that good quality. We have a crisis of leadership, but it's a reflection of us because our own desire to jerk off gets projected onto our leaders. And then they start to become orators who tell us what we want and not what we need. Great leaders don't tell their followers, don't tell people what they want. They tell them what they need. And that's where my dear friend Jason Whitlock has this whole shit backwards, respectfully. He got this whole shit backwards. And it's just a little, it's just a little piece of it you got backwards. But that whole, that piece, that whole piece, you got all the way backward. And 99.5%, you got right. You got the fundamentals down, the biblical worldview, the Christianity, the establishment, the Democrat scam, the LGBTQism and abortion. We got all of that down. 
But in that small sliver, all of these leaders, all of these savior generals, all of these savior generals we need right now in the battle have to make that final walk. And, and, and that little piece in and of itself is a Rubicon. That's the fucking beauty of this thing called life. That's the fucking beauty of becoming a God-fearing warrior at the highest level. That you could get 99% of it right, like the great forefather of the tradition, Moses. Even Moses didn't make it into the, the promised land. Yes, he's in heaven now, per the, per the, 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 the tradition, but even he didn't make it into the, the promised land. And it's not for everybody to have a journey like Moses. I get that. But what the Bible has tried to show you, what the Bible does well to articulate and illustrate, is that this is the journey. I mean, this is the path you're going to be confronted with. And the choices you make on that path will come to bear on the outcome. And this is the matter of predeterminism versus free will that often gets, you know, uh, that often becomes a topic of contention and debate within the Christian faith of the Christian community. Is it predetermined or, or is there free will? And in, the obvious answer is you have free will. You have free will. You can't have free will and predeterminism. It doesn't, that the two are incompatible. You have free will. God knows the choices you will have to make, but ultimately he lets you choose them. He doesn't know what choice you'll make. He knows you. He knows what you're likely to choose. But even we have the ability to make God proud in the Bible. It shows that we have the ability to make God proud, to, to, to make God um, um, adore us by by surprising him with our choices and they may come that may come with reward maybe it doesn't that's up to god god only god has the ability to intervene and intercede in human matters when he wants to in the way he wants to maybe you do everything right in your life and and, and he doesn't intercede once tough cookie i don't i don't I, you know but that's above my pay grade but it's clear to read the bible and see what the path structure is the path structure is you could be 99% of the way there, but that final 1% is a Rubicon in and of itself. And when you don't, when you don't allow yourself, allow yourself to, to track across that Rubicon, it's a waste. Especially when it's so clear and we're right there. And for my dear friend Jason Whitlock, every single day he should be evangelizing people into Christ in a biblical worldview for sure. But also the uniparty and the, 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 the party politics that represent themselves right there at the top office at the blaze. Right there up, up top at the blaze. And why won't Mark Levin come on? Why won't you come down from your ivory tower? Why won't you come down from your, your executive office and debate me? I'll, I'll, draw, I'll come down to Dallas this week. I don't even know if Mark Levin is stationed there in Dallas at the headquarters at the office. Doesn't matter. I'll come to Dallas, and we can have a debate as long as he needs to 
about any of these issues. I challenge right here, right now, today, I challenge Mark Levin to a public debate on the matter of 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 what real American foreign policy should look like. What real American domestic and foreign policy should look like. What is the future of nationalist populism? What is the future of the MAGA movement? Because that's the argument we're having right now, and it's the one that's, that needs to happen. We had a, the, 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 and, and, you know, whatever the MSNBC, uh, Morning Mika, Cuck Joes want to tell you is, is the problem. Sometimes they may make a good point about what the problem is for the wrong reasons, with the wrong motive and intent. But around this issue, it's a complete scam. Oh, the Civil War and the Republican Party is, is stifling the ability for the House of, of Representatives to do the people's business. Yeah, they just want us to do business as usual. And business as usual is empire. Business as usual is expand and, and protect the empire. And we can't do it anymore. And the only way we can preserve and protect the empire now is if we can see the empire to people, individuals, uh, uh, you know, brokers who have no loyalty to American citizenship and the, the fundamental ideas of America. No loyalty whatsoever. No loyalty whatsoever. We can't preserve the empire. But but what Warning Mika and Cuck Joe want to say is the 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 war and the civil the, the civil war in the Republican Party is a sign of, of them being unhinged and crazy. And these extremists like Matt Gates and now Mike Johnson, who they didn't have a problem standing up and clapping for, but you could see as Mike started to to speak about a more conservative platform, they were they were slow to hold their applause, right? And that's kind of the theater that has become common there in the well of the Congress. And to be quite honest, I didn't like the whole hum humorous sort of vibe of, of what took place in, in, in uh, Mike Johnson's acceptance speech. Now, I know things have been very tense and they've been there for months to try and figure this out. And, and Mike is a, is a nice and, and funny guy and he's a very charismatic guy. I really, I really think he has a bright political future, to be, to be quite honest. But we're on the brink of world war. What, what is everybody giggling about? And that's why if the hatchet man made it to D.C., you'd see a whole different tone. Because I'd, I'd stand up in the well of the Congress. I would stand up in the well of the Congress in the middle of somebody's speech and say, what the fuck are y'all giggling about? Just like when I'm coaching the young basketball team and we're talking about an important concept and we got a few people, a few young guys. Mind you now, these are high schoolers, and children effectively. But you still got to remind them, what are you laughing about? What, what's so funny? What are you giggling about? Is there something more important than what we need to do right here? Is this a laughing moment? We don't have the luxury to laugh. We don't have the luxury to joke. The only thing we have time to do right here, right now, is focus on how we come out of this death spiral. And if we can't find the courage and the discipline and the commitment to do that, we are signing our own destruction. So I invite Mark Levin to a debate because we do need to have a civil war within the Republican Party. We do need to hash out what the, what the ideas of the Republican platform are going to be going forward. We do need to have the battle between the rhinos and, and MAGA, the neocons and the America firsters. We do need to have the fight within the MAGA movement. What is MAGA going to be? These fights are supposed to happen at these different levels, and all the people who are afraid 
to come forward and make their ideas and their views known to the public, all of these people should be disqualified. If you don't show up to the game, you forfeit. If you don't show up to the game, you forfeit. Right here today, I am challenging Mark Levin of the Blaze Media Company to a public debate about the future of America's foreign policy and domestic policy. And I also challenge the great Jason Whitlock to, to step into the shoes and fulfill his role as, as, as the, the truth teller, the, the leader in one of America's most pivotal moments. And Jason, you know, you always kind of, of, of uh, give yourself an out when you say, oh, I'm not that political. I've never voted before. I'm not that political. I don't really know that much about policy. Look, I'll tell you like I'll tell everybody else in the country, everybody else that watches this, anybody else who hears it, you may not be interested in politics, but politicians are interested in you. Politics are interested in you. Political agendas are interested in you. Geopolitical agendas are interested in you. They're interested in what you do. And in some cases, they're interested in what you say. And even more so, they're interested in what you don't say. And that's the world we live in now. That's the time we're living in now. What will people not? I don't care if people don't want to watch the show or, or watch the segment because they just come to hear about football. Do I really give a fuck about those, that, that audience? Honestly. And in what, in what strange perverse stretch of the imagination, would we believe that the people who jerk off and, and, and get their, and, and get their, their, their fulfillment of, of intellectual curiosity by, by musing at, at professional sports as third-party viewers are the people who are actually going to be motivated and inspired into political action? That's a lie we're telling ourselves. And we use the same sort of corporate spirit and model that they've used to brainwash people to try and lay out our battle plan. Like we think, just like the NBA would say, hey, if you get everybody watching the, the, the show, then you can give them the virtue signal of Black Lives Matter that will bring up the, 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 the consciousness of everybody and create a better world. No, many people who watch the NBA came there under false pretenses. They came there under corrupt and immoral pretenses. So there's no shot in hell that the, the end re There's a shot in hell. You never preclude miracles. But it's a very slim chance that what comes out of it, what results from it, is, is clear morally and ethically. When things, and this is a very fundamental philosophical idea, how things begin have a direct impact on how things end, which is why it's so important to go back to history. And it takes some type of profound sea change within the trajectory of from, from how a thing begins to how a thing ends to, to, to change the course, to be able to change the course of the end of a thing. And we kind of we kind of flirt with that idea or we kind of, you know, uh, touch on that idea when we talk about things like time travel. And you'll see at the highest, uh, you know, ex ex you know, at the highest 
the highest level of the human imagination and an extrapolation, you could say, of 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 an idea like time travel and and temporal uh, temporal you know time uh, reality. Uh, we're trying to you know think about that. You know, if you could time travel, if if you could go back to the 1900s, if you could go back and kill Adolf Hitler before he rose to power, would it have changed the outcome of World War II or would it, had, would it have stopped World War II? And some movies will tell you the storyline that it could and some movies or some stories or some, some theories about it will tell you that, that, that the same history is going to occur no matter what. Or even in some cases, when you go back and change history, then you change the future in a way that could be adverse. Well, let's, talk, let's not talk about time travel. Let's talk about right now. I have free will. God gave it to me. If I want to go out today and minister to a young man on the street, a young black man on the street, and tell him to come back to God, like I saw in the comments, I saw somebody from Tuesday's episode say, hey, I, I'm, I'm a believer. I fell away from the faith, but Royce makes me want to come back to Jesus. That's the audience that we want. I don't give a fuck about what people think about Sunday's football games. I don't care. And, and to be quite honest, and look, I'm not saying that you can't go to the football game to round to, to minister and to, 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 you know, to evangelize, to talk about freedom and sovereignty. I'm not saying you can't do that, but you better be doing it with a full throat. And a full throat sometimes is mundane. Some, how can we expect the American people to understand the complexity of the institutions that preside over them if we never want to talk about the complexity? Yeah, we could say America first. We could say MAGA, but it's very hard for the MAGA, the MAGA audience and the America first audience to know who, should, who they should trust. Because as MAGA rises, it's going to be easy for people to stand up and say that they're MAGA when they're really not. It's going to be easy for people to say that they're America first when they're really not. And we need to have a watchful eye. And I got my eyes on Mike Johnson, Speaker Mike Johnson. I like you. I like him. But I'm watching you because I'm the hatchet man, and that's my responsibility. I'm watching you like a fucking hawk. And anybody else who steps into power, as every American citizen should, and by doing so, we actually create the, the circumstance that can inspire and help motivate our leaders to become what they want, what we want them to become. Sorry, I apologize. What we need them to become. What we do and how we hold our leaders to account directly affects, directly impacts, is correlated to the, 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 the circumstance, creating the circumstance for our leaders to become what we need them to become. In order to be a great leader, you need great followers. You don't just need followers. You don't just need subscribers. You need great subscribers. You need great followers. You need followers that, that, that inspire you, that motivate you, not that hang around. Jesus didn't have 12 apostles that just hung around. And yeah, they made their mistakes, and that's where they needed to, for Jesus to bridge a gap and do what Jesus does, do what Jesus did. He filled in those gaps. He filled in those blanks. But he had great followers. 
a two-way street now in this crisis of leadership. We need great leaders, leaders who are willing to sacrifice the, the absolute most in the interest of truth and freedom and, and love and faith. But we also need great followers. And having great followers, you can't accept, you, you know, the, you know, you can't accept you again. My dear friend Jason's response to me was, you know, unfortunately, I'm I'm married to my media career. He said, you know, I wouldn't tell you how to raise your wife and kids. You know, you can't tell me how to how to how to do do my my media career because I'm married to my media career. That's a heresy, and it makes sense. Because there's a lot of heresy in the Protestant in the Protestant worldview in the Protestant faith. There's a lot of heresy that stems from the Protestant faith. In fact, the the, the original sin of this country wasn't slavery. It was adopting, it was adopting the the business model from the crown that was that was immoral to begin with. In fact, we defected from the crown in, in large part based on that immorality. We revolted from the crown based on the immorality of their of their business model. Yet we adopted it. We thought, let's replicate. No, you don't replicate. You start anew. You have, the, you have the, the bravery to start anew. And our founding documents were the, were the beginning of that, of that new start. So we had the potential there. But the, the business model that, that presided over the country and eventually pounded those fundamental ideas into the pavement as nothing more but a symbolic relic of, of, of America's founding ideology. That was a problem. That was the original sin. Greed won out. Greed beat out freedom. Convenience beat out freedom. Then it was industrialization that beat out freedom. And now it's going to be technology that beats out freedom. Or democracy itself, the idea. And corrupt democracy beats out freedom. Beats out, beats out faith. Beats out truth. That was an original sin. So when my good friend like Jason Whitlock says, I'm married to my media career, many of us can understand it. And when you say it in casual terms, we, we get it. But it's a heresy. There, 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 can be, there can be no path to righteousness where one lives in the false equivalency where a career, a career is equal to the gift of, uh, the gift of a child or the union of a marriage. There is no path that leads to righteousness where one could live in the false equivalency that the gift of a child or the, 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 the union of a marriage is equal to a career. What is a career? What, what is a career even? When you're a minister or an evangelist for God, it's not a career. When you're a patriot or fighter for freedom and country, it's not a career. When you're a, when you're a father, to a, a, a child or a husband, to a wife. It's not a career. God, family, country. There's nothing career about those three things. And that you, can, you can see the, 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 the unity in those three things. You can see the profound unity, the silver lining in those three vectors of, of human society. God, family, country. None of them are a career, or at least none of them should be a career. Now, we know there are people who make careers out of them, 
We got moms who go to the family court or they get pregnant and they want infinite amounts of child support from some ball player that they got knocked up by and they want to make a career out of being the the, the, the the gossip column queen about that ball player or whatever the case may be. There's some people who make a career out of it. There's some people who make a career out of country, military industrial complex, lobbyists, career politician, Nancy Pelosi's insider stock trading, so on and so forth. There's people who make a career out of it, and there surely are people who make a career out of God. Bearing false witness. Bearing false witness. That's taking the Lord's name in vain, not using profanity. Bearing false witness is taking the Lord's name in that, that's That's a part of taking the Lord's name in vain. Bearing false witness in the Lord's name. That's, that's a sin. And so in the comment section from the episode, I think it's funny, I sent it to Jason. I go, I go, look, you got one guy who says, Royce inspires me to come back to Jesus Christ. And then you got another guy below it who says, uh, Royce is wrong. Uh, uh, um, I have a problem with Royce's profanity. It's a sin. And right there, you see the dichotomy of what the American culture is bred. And it's not, it's not the atheists. It's not the Satanists. It's the Christians. We have failed to uphold the institution of Christianity. We have failed to uphold the tradition. And by upholding the tradition, it's not this, it's not this Nick Fuentes sort of version where we're a Christian country. You know, you can tell a guy has a poor understanding of Christianity and, and, and of the Bible when they, say, when, when they believe that, that Christianity can be forced by fiat, that God's grace and charity, that God's love is a, is a matter that, that, or is a, 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 is, a, is a gift that can, be, that can be experienced through fiat. You can't, you can't, you can't have grace through fiat. Now, does that mean there should be a free-for-all? No. But actually, the Christian interpretation of the Constitution is exactly as it's laid out. It was one of the, one of the things that was, was so right, it's almost, it's almost unimaginable how profound it was. That we don't want people to be forced into submission to God. We want people to be able to choose it of their own free will the same way God set it up in the fundamental underpinnings of our very existence. That's what we want as a country. So we don't want a Christian country. We want Christians to run our country. We want Christians to protect our country. We want Christians to protect the institution of Christianity. We don't want our country to become a satanic country. And those are two very different things. On the road to Damascus, when Saul ran into Jesus, was, was Saul a Satanist? No, he was a blasphemer. He didn't have faith. He didn't believe. But he wasn't a Satanist. He was a bad person. He was misguided. He was lost spiritually. But he wasn't a Satanist. Right now, we, are, we have Satanists that are running the country. And that's what we should protect against. And in that way, you know, uh, your, your Nick Fuentes is, are the furthest end of the controlled opposition, right? Because ultimately what they serve in the narrative is we should have a Christian country. We should have a white Christian country for the most part. That's what he's kind of saying. We should have a white Christian country. And all it does is push all of these people back into the left's arms. And it's very hard to see that. 
It's very hard to see where certain individuals are servicing the narrative in such a way that they're actually pushing people back across the line into the arms of Satan. And you got to ask yourself, like I did on Jason Whitlock's show a year back, who is Nick Fuentes? Who are these people? I don't care what they claim to be. And me and Nick, respectfully, me and Nick would, would agree with many of the fundamental tenets of, of America First uh, foreign policy approach. And there's a lot of people out there that I would agree with about a lot of things. But that 1% is still a Rubicon. That 1% is still a Rubicon that has to be, that has to be uh, journeyed through, that has to be traveled. And I don't, preclude any, I don't preclude any miracles with Nick Fuentes or anybody else. Hell, I don't preclude any miracles with Joe Biden. All of these people. Look, if you start to believe that God can't put his hand into people's lives, then by, by, by definition, you've lost, you've lost the, the meaning and sense of Christianity. Now, am I holding my breath? No. I have the right with my own free will to, to make my own righteous judgments or my own judgment about the situation in righteousness, in my own, my own journey of faith. In the final analysis, I don't preclude miracles with these people. I also don't think they should be the thought leaders or they should be the, the political leaders of our society. And I say all that to say right now, hey, maybe it's the business at Fearless. Maybe it's the, you know, the, the, the traffic or the financials. I'm not, I'm not involved like that. I've never been involved. I've never taken, a, I've never taken any money to, to contribute on Fearless. I'm not a part of the business like that. All the time I've contributed to Fearless and the Fearless audience is just to inform, is just to educate, is just to help elevate the conversation. That's it. That's my only objective. Now here at Free People Radio, yeah, we want to sell T-shirts and some things like that to break even. We don't want to. I'm not trying to get rich. Up first off, I don't need to get rich. I don't need any money from podcasting, to be honest. I don't need that. I, I don't need that. At least I don't feel I need that. Just like I don't need any money for, for you know from running for office. I'm not turning being a senator into a political career. That's why one of my first actions as a senator would be to bring legislation or bring a bill or or, or change change the the limits of terms to create term limits so that it can't become a career because that starts to erode the effectiveness and the ability to be moral and ethical. Same thing with the podcast. I'm not doing this for the money. Not doing this for money. When I changed the MMA, I didn't, I wasn't going into MMA thinking about getting rich. I'm not in MMA. I don't train MMA. When I go to the gym and, and I spend an hour and a half drilling and training and sweating and putting that time on the bag, and hurting your hands or hurting your body when you grapple and you wrestle or whatever the case. I'm not doing that to get rich. I did it because my body is, is a temple and, and, it, and it helped my body to be able to, to, be able to uh, uh, exercise in a competitive nature. And it also helped to, to be able to be uh, uh, experienced in high-pressure combat situations. For real-world use, if need be, yeah but also just the practice of being under high-pressure situations and calming your mind down and being able to evaluate and assess the situation under those high-pressure moments. None of it's about the fucking money. And I'm not anti-money. But the love of money is the root of all evil. And people seem to have this, this arrogance about them, that they're doing well with the, with the difference between money 
itself and the love of money. I would say uh, on mass, when we look out in society, we can see that the love of money has won the day. You can say, oh, it, it's, 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 you know, the love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself. Money is fine. Yeah, that's that same fucking rhino, neocon, lukewarm, milquetoast conservatism, free market enterprise, free trade, a crony capitalist scam that has us in this fucking situation. Respectfully to anybody and everybody out there, that's how we got here. That's how we had Obama ask for a billion dollars, uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 during the financial crisis. That's how we had the, the billion dollars get passed. And then Obama, I'm sorry, that's how we had the billion dollars get passed. And then Obama run the debt up and we've continued to run the debt up to 33 trillion. And the 30, $33 trillion debt is the, is the main issue. It is the fault line. If we're going to live, and let me, let me say this to end. The $33 trillion debt, the $172 trillion debt and unfunded liabilities is the fault line if we're all going to continue to agree and pretend like we're, 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 we're living harmoniously in this global fiat currency system. If we're going to continue to play by that game, then the debt is going to be a problem. The debt is a national security threat. The $172 trillion in unfunded liabilities is a national security threat. It does undermine the value of citizenship and, and, and the, the, uh, the, the safety and prosperity and well-being of the entire country. Absolutely. And we want to send more money? Come on, stroll on down, Mark Levin. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. We got another trillion dollars to send to the Middle East? Huh? We have another trillion dollars to send to the Middle East. We have another trillion dollars to send to the Ukraine or, or, to, uh, or to Taiwan when the time comes. Or, or you know, how, how far are we going to go with this? How far are we going to go? Just tell me. You know, and I know you're, you know you're Jason's boy and whatnot. I don't, I don't give a fuck about none of that. I'm the hatchet man. If we were together, if we were in the same room, just like when I've been on the show, me and Bryce have had disagreements. When I've been on the show, me and other people within the fearless, uh, you know, the fearless crew have had disagreements. Me and Jason have had disagreements. I don't believe in this sort of soft, posh, post-enlightenment, luxurious, luxurious sort of, uh, of, 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 you know, community style where nobody can really bring any stern criticism to one another. That shit is soft, it's corny, it's for motherfuckers who aren't really built for the war that we're in now. Stroll on down. Come on down. Matter of fact, I'll, get, I'll come down to Dallas. You set the interview, you set the debate up, you set the conversation up any way you want. You got as much of my time as you need, Mark. And let's talk about what's really going on here. What's the plan? We're going to spend another $10 trillion going into the Middle East? I mean, let's 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 talk about it. Let's figure it out. But what I'm not going to do, what I refuse to do is come on to fearless and use black people or continue to use black people or a conversation about black people as a way to push. The many, the many, um, the many American citizens out there that right now need to come into the conservative movement and even more so the Republican Party and even more so the America First 
faction of the Republican Party to save this republic from all-out tyranny in a global police state. And I say this to end, when I talk about tyranny, when I talk about economic imperialism, when I talk about the military industrial complex, when I talk about three card Montes or any of these other things that people want to joke about or seem, you know, like it's, a, it, it, you know, it's, a, you know, it's just bullshit that I'm just talking. Well, our founding fathers said very clear. When a government fears its people, you have liberty. When the people fear their government, you have tyranny. What type of country are we living in now? And even more important, an even more important question, what the fuck are you willing to do about it? Not what are you willing to talk about, what are you willing to do about? See, I talk here on the podcast, but right now in Minnesota, we're organizing the Free People of America to be a citizens union that not only organizes political action in between elections and in elections here in Minnesota, but to have chapters all across the country and potentially all across the world. To promote, to teach the idea of economic nationalism individual sovereignty, the value of citizenship, the importance of a nation, a nation state, the importance of borders. So we can, so we can move past this, this scam of globalism and climate change and, and international cooperation and all that bullshit. Do you see international cooperation when you look out there on the world stage? Or do you see a bunch of, a bunch of proxy wars, a bunch of, a bunch of espionage, a bunch of dark, dark money and secrets? All I see is a bunch of people lying to everyday working citizens that we're in a time of peace when they have to pay for the inflation. I mean, I was talking to my Uber driver and I, and I explained to him, not only do, does the Fed inflate the, the cost of, of goods and services, it's up $800 from last year, just this time last year, since we went into the war, mind you, and they'll say those two things aren't correlated, but let's look at the numbers. Not only do they inflate, not only do they cause inflation, but then they're going to take your tax money and agree on a budget item to pay for a military campaign where the military contractors and manufacturers make you pay an inflated price again for the goods. So you have to pay the, you have to suffer through inflation at home. And then as an American people and as an American economy, we have to suffer through inflation by paying an inflated price on the goods that we get to go to war. What kind of scam is this? I mean, you're getting taxed and inflated at every single turn. This is why they want Steve Bannon dead. This is why they want Alex Jones dead. This is why they want to fence me as an anti-Semite. But the only other podcast that's up right now in Free People in Free People Radio is one of with a Jewish host. And I consider myself to be a Jew because all the people who believe in Christ, we are the we we the Christians are the inheritance of the promise. The Christians were promised. Christian, we are the Jews. And I love what Professor Penn said. Professor Penn said, all the Jews have to do is believe in Christ and then they'll have the spiritual, the, the, you know, they'll, they'll, have, they'll have the spiritual on their side. 
Now, from a political standpoint, that's not for me to determine. Like I said, Israel fought a war for their country, for their land, and, and, and they have a right to it, as does any man who fights for their land since time immemorial. You fight for your piece of land, you, you have a claim to it. And people can contest that claim. Absolutely. People have a right. The people have a, 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 a human right to contest that claim. And I don't mean the human rights granted by government. I mean the human rights granted to them by the fundamental axioms of what it is to be a living human being. I can go up to the building across the street and, and contest who owns it. Probably won't be very successful, but I can do it. And I don't know if, and I, I would venture to guess that the people who are going to contest the legitimacy of Israel and say that they're not, they don't have a right to exist or that their people don't have a right to exist, they're going to run into some real pushback. Absolutely. Just like the Israelis going into Palestine and saying that Palestine is not a place or that the Palestinians don't need to exist where they, they're going to run into pushback. And if anybody gets the balls to roll across those oceans and tell Americans or Christians to tell citizens here in this country that we don't have the right to exist or that or that we need to leave, they're going to roll into some they're going to run into some pushback. Yep, absolutely. Especially if I'm in power. If I'm in power, they if if I'm in power, they wouldn't even try. If I was in power, they wouldn't even try. Just like if Donald Trump gets in power, they'll be slow to try because they know. Which is why I said, even if I'm in the, you know, if I win, win the Senate, don't win the Senate, whatever, the director of national intelligence. Let me sit across from the intelligence community. Let me sit and cross, across from the intelligence agencies of all these nations. Let me look them in the eye. Bring them here to America. I'm not flying to go. Enough of these luxurious, you know, uh, three-day vacations to Turkey, to Vienna, to Hong Kong, you know, to Tokyo to Bangladesh or, or uh, you know, New Delhi or wherever they, or Cairo or, or uh, Abu Dhabi. Enough of our politicians being these extravagant, omnisexual, you know, on the taxpayer's dime world travelers. Enough of it. You come here. We're doing the people's business here. All of you are coming here to talk about your relationship with America. But you can't do that unless you have America first leaders. You can't do that unless you have America first elected officials, and we can't even create the expectation of that type of American culture and citizenship unless the people who speak on behalf of the America First Movement and American citizens speak with a full throat. My dear friend Jason Whitlock, the time is now. You've been chosen. Take up the mantle. Throw the petty bullshit aside. All your fans will still be there. When we cross the Rubicon and, we, and we've actually won five years from now, and we can talk about football not under the threat of nuclear war. Those people will still be there. Well, there'll be a time for, for recreation and leisure. Or how about, well, here's an idea. Why haven't we created a secondary show? Because obviously the Glenn Beck audience and the Jason Whitlock audience are probably significantly different in, in some respects. Why isn't there a show? Why haven't we created an entire secondary show on The Blaze? under the blaze, uh, you know, with Jason. Why is it because I talk about the anti-Jews that the blaze would never give me an opportunity to have my own show on the blaze? Mark, there's all this business that happens. 
There's all these little uh, corporate little uh, dealings that go on behind closed doors. And my simple, my simple statement is this. Everybody gets to decide how the country burns now. Everybody gets to decide how the country goes down now or how the, the country continues as a shell of its former self. Make your decision. Live with your decision. This has been another episode of Please Call Me Crazy, brought to you by Free People Radio. I am your host, Royce White, here in the belly of the beast, Minneapolis, Minnesota. We appreciate your viewership and listenership today and in the future. Be, free, be sure to go to freepeopleradio.com. Browse around the site. Find where you can watch and listen to the podcast. Visit the store. Buy a couple items of merchandise if you want. should have some fun with that. Visit our Patreon platform. Donate a few dollars if you can. We just want to break even. We're not trying to get rich. We want to be able to sustain bringing you the conversation. That's it. Every dollar is going back into the company. Every dollar is going back into expanding and getting new cameras and bigger spaces and more engineers so they can make more clips and get more content out to a bigger audience because we believe in the things we're saying here at Free People Radio. Tomorrow night is the great Dan Schultz to talk about the precinct strategy, which if you want to talk about solutions and actions, there is no bigger, there is no more important strategy right now in American politics than the precinct strategy. And tomorrow we're going to have the great Dan Schultz on to talk about the precinct strategy again and again and again and again and again. And we're going to drill it down for all the people out there who want to say, we want to hear the solution. Well, if you want to hear the solution, Dan Schultz is your guy. Precinct strategy is your guy. If you want to know how you're being lied to and brainwashed and manipulated, I'm your man. Know your limits. Know your limits. And I'm humble enough to know when somebody has a better strategy than me. We're going to flood the caucuses across the entire country with America First and MAGA delegates, and we're going to vote these rhinos out and we're going to get Republican Republican candidates who are really America first, the endorsements in their respective primaries. And we're going to watch as the neocon and the rhino establishment desperately try to marshal their resources to primary America first and MAGA candidates after they've gotten the endorsement as the will of the people. Vox Populi. That's the strategy. If you want to know more, precinct strategy tomorrow night. If you want to talk more about where we are as a, in the crisis of leadership and faith and the scams of the geopolitical elite, tune in on Sunday night. I'm going to do an ad-free show, and we're going to talk about mental health and the Second Amendment and these mass shooters and the culture around that. The fight continues. Don't die a jerk off, and as always, Godspeed.